have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. So the remedy for hypocrisy is to do things privately, not to be seen by men, but uh, to uh, have an audience with your Heavenly Father. Now, I don't think there's anything wrong, and I don't believe you do either with praying publicly, but the motive or the intent is what Jesus is talking about here. If the only time we pray is in public, then there's probably something not quite right about our priorities when it comes to prayer. And so prayer is as much a private thing, and from those moments of intimacy with your Heavenly Father, the public expression of it is sincere, it's heartfelt, it's genuine, and it, it ministers grace. And it doesn't draw attention to ourself, it draws attention to the Lord. All prayer should endear us and draw us closer to our Savior. And so when someone is praying, it is, uh, it's an opportunity, you know, for us to enter in and to be in agreement and to lift our voice together with them and uh, not be impressed by the, uh, the one who's praying, but uh, the one who they're praying unto. And so that's why we magnify the Lord and exalt him. Now, he's going to continue here in verse 7, and he says, and, and when you pray, so he's asking us to pray, and uh, do not use vain repetition as the heathen do. If you don't have the phrase heathen or the, the, the word heathen circle, please do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. This is, once again, a, a, another extreme that, you know, the more we talk, the more God listens. And, and I, I don't know that that works in any relationship, let alone the one with God. Can I get an get a, amen? And so, uh, and, then it, and then it tells us this great truth about God. It, it says uh, 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 here in a moment, it says, but... Therefore, don't be like them, uh, for your father knows. Here's the, here's the great truth. Your father knows the things that you have need of before you ask him, but in this manner pray. So he's not saying don't pray uh, because God is omniscient. What he's saying is just don't pray like the heathen do. So we have a reminder to, to you guys that hypocrisy and, and, and then worldliness or behaving like heathens don't get us an audience with our heavenly father. So... Uh, Jesus wants us wants us uh, to have a prayer life, and therefore he instructs us on how to pray and in what manner to pray. And, and when we follow the instruction of our Savior, it's, it's amazing how, how prayer uh, becomes a part of our life, and, and we miss it when we're not uh, having those opportunities to pray. And some people don't know what they're missing out on because they haven't maybe even, even, even started. But my encouragement is, is start, and then you'll be sure glad uh, that you did. So let's talk about uh, the two extremes that we want to avoid in, in prayer because both of them will derail our prayer life and, and cause us not to really be fruitful. And, and both of these things, uh, legalism and lethargy, do not produce life. Uh, it's, it's the, and, and Jesus came that we may have life and the quality of life he wants to give us is much better than, than what this world has to offer. So legalism, I'll, I'll give you a definition of it, how it's, it's commonly thought of in, in the scripture. It's, uh, it is a, a preoccupation with form or outward appearance at the expense of substance and sincerity of heart. So that's, that's what legalism does. Is it's more interested in the outward appearance 
and but it's at the expense of the sincerity of the heart. It's preoccupied with how how they appear before men and what it looks like before the public audience. And and that that once again is is not life. It's it's legalism. Uh, and an example of this is the legalist isolates the word of God from the God who gave us his word. So it's not one in the same. Uh, they ap- actually separate the two because uh, a legalist is, is uh, akin to hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is a theatrical word in, in Scripture. It means to put on a mask. So it's masquerading. It's, it's pretense. It's not sincere. It's not substance. It's not heartfelt. It's not genuine. It's not authentic. There's a lot of adjectives that we could use, but, but one we can't use is it's not real. Uh, and we don't want to be phony. We don't want to be legalists. We don't want to have all the outward adornings, all the outward appearances, and yet not have the substance of heart that Scripture's talking about when it comes to prayer. So Jesus, you know, gives us instruction about these things. Don't be a legalist. Don't be hypocritical. Don't put on the mask. Don't do things to be seen by men. And and he tells us what to do. do. Do things to be seen by your father who's in heaven and your reward will take care of itself. Uh, I, I don't uh, want to exchange heaven's rewards for the world's rewards and, or for man's acknowledgement. It, you know, it's, it's one thing for people to say, wow, you're really a, uh, you really look like a pious and spiritual and religious and, and righteous man. But it's another thing for God to declare that about us. And I would rather have our Heavenly Father make that declaration about us. And, and, and so God sees right through the outward into the inward and, and sees the, the heart of what's happening. And uh, when, when you have a, a private uh, prayer life, it really is uh, recognizable in how we publicly live our life. So there's, there's evidence of someone who is a praying person. And we want that evidence uh, in our life. We want God to be glorified. Let me show you uh, a few examples of legalist or hypocrisy. And, and we're not going to spend a lot of time here because it's, it's a, a chapter, uh, Matthew's Gospel, chapter 23, because it's a, it's a long chapter and there's a, a multitude of, of, uh, of uh, things that Jesus says when he's describing the, the legalist or the or the hypocrite, and we'll begin in the first verse. It says, Then Jesus spoke to the multitudes and to the disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. Now, that was a a position of authority. And therefore, whatever they tell you, observe, because God is a God who honors authority. That, uh, that, uh, uh, to do, observe, and uh, that observe and do, but do not do according to their works, for they say and they do not do. And, and we, therefore, that's most people's definition, the layman's working definition of, of hypocrisy. For they bind, now he, he gets into the descriptive aspect of it because they may have scratched their heads because these were their leaders. Uh, these were the people that they were accustomed to hearing and, and going and gathering and, and hearing the reading of Scripture and and he's saying when they're reading scripture and they're, they're teaching and they're in that position of authority, then you need to listen to what they're saying. But, 
But be careful because they're not giving you a good example. And uh, so you can't follow their example. Maybe you can follow some of the things that they're communicating, but you can't follow their example. Now, what is that? What does that tell us about being a good example? It, it tells us a lot, doesn't it? it? It matters a lot. It's important. It's not just having the right message, but it's living out that message ourselves. It's, it's, it's not only believing that it's going to impact the hearer, but it impacts the communicator also. And, and so he says, For they bind heavy burdens, hard to bear, and they lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move. Uh, them with with one of their fingers, uh, but all their works they do to be seen by men. Now, now we can see the correlation to what Jesus was talking about uh, to his disciples when it comes to prayer. They they make their phylacteries, which is their outward uh, garments, broad and enlarge the borders of their garments, and they love the best places at feasts and the best seats in the synagogues, greetings in the marketplace, and to be called Rabbi, Rabbi. But you. Do not be called rabbi, for one is your teacher, the Christ, and you are all brethren. And do not uh, call anyone on earth your father, for one is your father who is in heaven. And do not be called teachers, for one is your teacher, the Christ. But he who is the greatest among you shall be your servant. Now, you can continue to read for the next 30 verses, and he'll just give example after example after example. And what he's saying is that legalism never, and the law never was meant to produce life. And so avoid legalism and, uh, and when it comes to prayer because it's a prayer killer. It's a prayer killer. So the second uh, aspect that we want to look at just for a moment when it, when it comes to uh, uh, what to avoid is lethargy. Now, let me remind you as we move into lethargy that the Apostle Paul says it, the letter kills. So we could say it this way. The law kills, but he wasn't done, was he? The Spirit gives life. The Spirit in which we do things is, is, is very, very significant before God. The Spirit in which we do things. The attitude, the posture of the heart is everything before the Lord. That's why we can pray anywhere and everywhere because we're praying from our heart to the Lord. It's not just in the streets or in the synagogues. It's, it's wherever we need to cry out to God, we can cry out to God. Okay. Lethargy. Lethargy is uh, uh, an interesting study in Scripture because most of the time, Old and New Testament, when spiritual lethargy is being uh, described whether it's by Jesus or by Paul or by James or John, some of the writers of the epistles, it's akin to a spiritual disease. Something has infiltrated that person's spiritual life and it's contaminated them and they're unhealthy. So anyone with a disease or anyone who's not feeling well, something, a germ or a virus or something has entered into their system and it's causing them not to function and not to behave the way that they typically would. So here's uh, a spiritual lethargy. I, first of all, I want to give you, uh, uh, once again, some thoughts and uh, a definition of it. A, a spiritual lethargy is when an individual has lost their love and zeal for the Lord 
and have grown indifferent in regards to their own spiritual growth and development. Um, A.W. Tozer said this about spiritual lethargy. There is uh, little communion and little joy in the Lord of those that have allowed spiritual lethargy to be attached to their being. Uh, They have a cold heart with little pity, little fire, little love, and little worship. And uh, this, in my estimation, is the result of spiritual lethargy. He uses the word little. And as a reminder, uh, a little doesn't mean you've lost everything. So you have the appearance of godliness, but no presence or power. So you can have a little joy, but you don't have joy unspeakable and full of glory. You can have a little love, but not love that is compelling you to good works. You you can have a little evidence of Jesus, but not a lot of evidence of Jesus. And that's when spiritual lethargy, the disease of spiritual lethargy, has entered into our relationship with Christ. Um, I likened it to this. In the 80s, there was a band out of Houston, Texas called Asleep at the Wheel. Anybody ever remember Asleep at the Wheel? And uh, they put out some good music in the 80s, back in the big hair days. Uh, And Asleep at the Wheel describes spiritual lethargy. You know, um, just... It's going to be a train wreck. Sooner or later, the vehicle is going to going to hit something and someone's going to get hurt. I I want to read a few verses uh, when it comes to uh, the admonition of Scripture when it comes to spiritual lethargy. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 6 gives us some insight into this malady that we want to avoid. As much as we want to avoid legalism and, and being parasitical, we also want to avoid just you know, letting ourselves go asleep and not being awake when it comes to the things of the Lord, not being aware of what's going on around us. So 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 6 says, You are all sons of the light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. Verse 6, Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. So there is the remedy. One of the remedies for spiritual lethargy is that let the light be that light in your life, but there's something that we're called to do. Let us watch and let us be sober. Let us watch and let us be sober. So watching and praying is the admonition of our Savior, but also sobriety. Get your, get your, I I think of it in this phrase, get your head screwed on right. You know, people that are under the influence of, of alcohol or anything else, all right, aren't thinking soberly. They're not thinking correctly. They're not thinking rationally. It's irrational. And what he's saying is, you know, if spiritual lethargy, the disease of spiritual lethargy enters into your life, you think a little is a lot, and it's just a little. It's not a lot. That a little of Jesus is okay. That a little love is okay. That a little joy is okay. That doesn't describe life and life more abundantly. Could you agree? So, so praying sincerely, praying heartfelt prayers, and it, it matters. All right, I'll give you another example. Romans chapter 13, if you just go back to the left a, a few pages. 
Romans chapter 13. And the Romans were, were people that gave themselves over to excess. And we think about the Roman culture and, and uh, we think about the, uh, the history of the Roman culture. One of the things is they were known as people of indulgences. I mean, they overindulged in, in many, many things. And it was very detrimental to them. But they were also sort of had uh, lethargic attitudes and apathetic attitudes about, about uh, certain other things. So he's talking to them in uh, Romans chapter 13, the Apostle Paul is, uh, about putting on Christ. And he says in verse 11, And do this knowing the time, being aware of the season of your life and the season that's going on in the earth that now it is high time to awake out of your sleep, for now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. He's reminding them every day that you live is a day closer to not only your life being over, but the return of our Savior. So there's, there's two tracks on this, on this track that he's saying is that it, it's, a, it's time for all of us to wake up because we're closer to going home to be with the Lord, and we're closer to the Lord coming home to get us every single day. So, so don't allow yourself to be asleep. Don't allow yourself to get lethargic when it comes to your relationship and to spiritual matters in life. Don't believe that one day's just like the other, because one day nothing will be the same as the day before. Because when the Lord comes, Everything changes. Or when we go home to be with the Lord, everything changes. And living with that awareness helps us to live with an awareness of God's presence, of God's help, of God's provision, of God's power in our life every single day. And we just don't go through the motions. We're not just asleep at the wheel. We're not just saying, ho-hum, today's just like every other day. It's just another Monday. It's just another Tuesday. You know, check in, do my job, go home, take care of my family, do my responsibilities. That is evidence of spiritual lethargy where here. We're not thinking soberly. We're thinking worldly, carnally, naturally. We're not thinking eternally. So we, we have to shake ourselves and stir ourselves. And I, I think that's the admonition that Paul was saying to the Roman people is you, you're going to have to, you know, you're going to have to wake up a little bit. You're going to wake up, wake up. How many of you have uh, parents had a child that it was hard to wake up? I mean, five alarms and an alligator at the foot of their bed just didn't seem to do it. Uh, and and there, there are people, I mean, they can just sleep through a thunderstorm. They can sleep through, you know, every alarm, every bell, every whistle. And But spiritually, we can't. We have to be more sensitive. We have to be more aware. We have to be more alert than that. And uh, uh, that abiding relationship with Christ is what allows that to happen. So um, the cure for legalism and uh, lethargy is found all through Scripture. It's the same. It doesn't change. It's always, always consistent. And here it is. It's repentance from dead works, from pride, and a fresh commitment to Christ to be filled with his spirit. It's repentance. And repentance doesn't happen without conviction. 
And conviction doesn't happen without someone experiencing Christ. Because when we experience Christ, we're convicted of our need for him. So the greatest need that the church has is to be convicted that Christ is not only among us when we gather together, but Christ dwells in us day in and day out. And we shouldn't be legalistic because Jesus was not a legalist. Jesus was a savior, a life giver, and Jesus was never lethargic. He was filled with zeal. He was consumed to do the will of his father. And so being aware of him convicts us. It leads us to change our mind, which is what repentance is all about, and to dedicate ourselves, com- completely dedicate ourselves afresh and anew to Him and to be filled with His Spirit. This is the cure, the only cure, and the only instruction for the cure of legalism and lethargy is Christ. More of Christ. More of Christ. Not more of duty, not more of the works, not more of obligation, but more of Christ. It is the protection that we need in our hearts so that our prayers come from sincere and heartfelt places in us. And it's not just going through the motions and it's not doing things to be seen by men. And it's not just asleep at the wheel saying, well, a little prayer is better than no prayer. Well, my goodness, may the Lord awaken us to Christ and the fullness that he wants to bring to our lives. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that it encouraged or inspired you to God's best. If you have any questions about today's message, need prayer, or would like to learn more about Living Word Fellowship, please call 641-641. 828-7119 or visit us at lwfknoxville.com.